Today, we're going to take a look at two more spring training games and break down the effect Carlos Correa to the Twins has on the AL Central today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. Today is Tuesday, March 22nd, 2022. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. As you all know, we are on the YouTube. Go subscribe. Really cool stuff over there, man. It's it's going to be fun. I'm really pumped that we got this all worked out right as the regular season is about to get underway and baseball is back. And that's just a beautiful thing. And I'm going to say that a million times this year. And I don't really care if that bothers people because I'm just so thankful that we actually have baseball uh, that is a being played and B that we have to talk about on the show. Awesome stuff. So we're going to go over two more spring training games today. Um, we're going to go over Sunday's eight to seven victory over the New York Yankees, the Yankees lose. And we're going to go over Monday's game, uh, three, one loss to the Toronto blue Jays all spring training. Don't really care about wins and losses, to be honest, like whatsoever. I, I have never, and will never care about wins and losses in spring training. Spring training for me is, is what is individual player based and is all on what storylines for me personally, that I think are the biggest storylines to look out for in the spring. And you should do the same. Don't, don't, don't care about wins and losses in spring, man. Don't be that person. It, it, it don't matter. I promise it don't matter. Uh, Detroit Lions undefeated the year they went 0-16 in the preseason. Um, so, New York Yankees. I guess we'll start with that. We're also in the final segment going to break down uh, the Correa to Minnesota signing and just kind of everything that's surrounding that, the reaction within our fan base, the entire situation, the Tigers role in it, uh, the AL Central now, the Twins. There, there's a lot to discuss there, and I think it's really important that we kind of voice out everything that is surrounding that whole situation because we were a big part of it for a very long time. But first, we're going to talk about the Yankees and the Tigers game. We're going to kick off with Sunday's game. Comeback victory, which is kind of cool. Nice little uh, late-inning rally there from uh, from the boys. I'm, I mean, a solid game from a lot of people offensively. Not that we're going to take too much uh, in it, but a solid game from a lot of people. Robbie Grossman, I think I made a mistake yesterday. I think on yesterday's show, I said that that was the game that Robbie Grossman had a walk and a home run in. This was this game. The Yankees game is the game that Robbie Grossman had a walk and a home run in. I think I said it was the Pirates game on, on Monday's show. So that's my fault. Uh, I, I do make mistakes sometimes. Uh, you guys, <laughs> not not all of you, a select few of you really like to, to point out and emphasize when I do. So I'm just going to get ahead of it. We'll just point it out right here, live on air. Uh, Robbie Grossman, though, did have home run and a strikeout. Very Robbie Home run and a strikeout? Home run and a walk. Very Robbie Grossman-esque game. Very Robbie Grossman-esque game. Uh, and that's super cool. He's already got two home runs at this point. 
after this game, he had two home runs, and he had only played in two games. Great start. Expecting big things from Robbie, man. No really storyline to watch out for him this spring. Just making sure he's he's still Robbie and still taking a lot of pitches, which he absolutely is. So not not too terribly much uh, to kind of look for in Robbie Grossman in spring. Just happy to see him back out there. That's the dog. That that's gonna. It might be a relatively short stint. I don't know what whether his future lies with the Tigers or not, but I, he will always be one of my one of my favorite Tigers just because he's an OBP king. Um, Akil Badu, hitless in this game. H- had a pretty decent weekend, though. Not too concerned. Again, I said this yesterday. I'm going to say it again. Biggest thing with Badu is just looking to see how he attacks left-handed pitching. That's really all that matters to me at this point. Uh, Javi Baez played in this game. Had a solid game, nice little RBI. No Riley Green in this game, which people were freaking out about because that's what we do uh, as a community and as a society when anything happens, but it's not that big of a deal. He's not going to play every game of spring. It's not going to happen. Torque did play, though. Had a beautiful opposite field uh, line drive RBI. I The... The fascinating thing with Spencer Torgelson is his ability already to have power to all sides of the field, have great contact to all sides of the field, and he it, it seems like he already is well aware of when he wants to risk chasing something out of the zone versus not, if that makes sense. So like he is willing to risk a strikeout sometimes. He's willing to risk it because he thinks, oh, if I can get a hold of this one, though, it's going to work out really well for me. And a ball that maybe, you know, a breaking ball that's low might be a strike, might be a ball or, or whatever. Oh, it's a hanger. I'll I'll take advantage of it. And if it's not, I'll, I'll risk the strikeout. And I think that's really situationally based. And we're already seeing that. He's got such a beautiful and just like short swing. Very different from Riley Green. Riley Green has a very long swing. Right. And, and Spencer Torgelson's really short and right through the zone and everything. Uh, it's, it's, they're, it's just so great to see both of them playing, man. In Tigers uniform. So great. So he had a really nice hit to the opposite field. Uh, Tucker Barnhart. I, I want to talk, talk about Barnhart. Offensively is whatever. We're, we're not really concerned with what Barnhart is going to do at the plate in the spring or, I mean, honestly, in the regular season, as long as he's got an OPS you know, over like 620, I'm going to be fine because you can already tell we're what, four games in the spring? You can already tell that he is the best receiving catcher we've had uh, maybe in a decade. Is that far-fetched? I don't think it's that far-fetched. I'm trying to think, man. Like, Avila was pretty solid behind the plate. Uh, James McCann, no. None of the guys since James McCann. I mean, I, I think there's a legit argument that he's the best. He's the best receiving and 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 best, like, catcher presence that are behind the plate. Not Maybe not necessarily the best arm we've had. McCann did have a nice arm. But just all-around defensive presence behind the plate, man. There is... There's a there's few better really in all of baseball, and uh, I'm I'm so excited he's here. For those who don't know, I I was a catcher my whole life. 
I, I have a fascination and a love for the position like no other. I I am against robo umps because I value defensive catcher and framing and stuff so much at, at the major league level that I, I'm just so happy Barnhart's here, man. It's going to be such a joy to watch him behind the plate and break down just what makes him so great. Uh, I, I'm hoping that Barnhart and Dingler can maybe get a, and Rogers for that matter, can maybe get a little, get some time together so that he can, you know, maybe teach him some things and, and kind of pass the torch when the time is right. But all in all, man, I'm just really happy that Barnhart's here. You see, even in spring, I mean, his framing is phenomenal. Everything looks like a strike. Everything. And it's not always called, but like you can tell, you can just watch and be like, wow, when was the last time we we, we had a catcher that, that made anything that was relatively close to the strike zone look like a strike? It's awesome to see, man. Very happy that Tucker Barnhart is a Detroit Tiger. Eric Haas got his first ABs of the – actually, I don't think those were his first ABs of the spring, but he got some more ABs uh, halfway through. I think he's still hitless uh, at the time of this recording. Harold Castro hitting Harold. Nice little blooper to uh, to left field. It, it, he's an interesting one too because I, we will need a utility guy in like a backup kind of position like that for the the just on the roster, right? I mean, you you need that. This isn't isn't rocket science. So I I think that he's definitely in the running, and and I think AJ loves him. I, I think Hinch loves a guy that's going to come off the bench and guarantee put put wood on the ball. Whether that's a hit 100% of the time, I, you know, it is what it is, but, but he's going to put, he's going to make contact regardless. And I, I really do think Hinch likes Harold Castro. So he'll be an interesting one to see as the spring goes on. Isak Paredes with a knock, another interesting storyline for the backup positions in the middle infield. Uh, and then the only other offensive person I want to talk about, I do want to bring up Parker Meadows because he had a pretty decent game, couple of RBIs. And, had an infield single as well. Parker Meadows is probably the fastest player in the entire organization. He is unbelievably fast and athletic. The issue with Parker Meadows has been and still is the bat. Look, I I, am, I say it with Derek Hill all the time. Oh, if he can even be a league average hitter, he could be wildly effective at the major league level, wildly productive, I should say, at the major league level. Parker Meadows is, is that, but I'm not even comfortable enough saying that because he's not even hitting league average down in the lower level of the minors. So there's still a lot of work to do, but it is cool to see him up there just so we can showcase kind of his his athletic ability. And I, I no guarantee that he ever gets productive major league time. There, there isn't because the bat is still such a huge question mark with him. But if he can even remotely figure it out, you're going to see one of the fastest dudes uh, in the entire, if not the fastest dude in the entire organization. So it's just cool to see him get to play a little bit. Uh, we will get into the pitching in the Yankees game and then really quickly do the Blue Jays game. There's honestly not too much to talk about in that one. It was Pretty low scoring, not super offensive, and there is some pitching to talk about, though. So we'll get into all that after I tell y'all about betonline.net. It's that time of year. 
college basketball's tournament, baby. This is March. Crazy games every day. So from all the latest odds, contests, player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball either. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and betting on your favorite Vegas casino games. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, everybody. We are back here for segment two at Locked On Tigers. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. Check out Locked On MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Okay, so we got some pitching to talk about in the Yankees game and then really just pitching to talk about in the Blue Jays game as well. Uh, Gregory Soto, first appearance of the year on Sunday against New York. A very Gregory Soto inning. Uh, a, a very Gregory Soto inning. He had one inning, two strikeouts, no hits, no runs, and a hit batter. It's actually kind of cool. I, I give Judge a lot of credit. He got hit like in the toe, and it was a full count, I believe. And he asked the umpire, he's like, look, it's spring training. Can I just like take this at bat, and we can just pretend like that didn't happen? Uh, and, of course, he was told no, but I, I respect it. Um, but it was, it was good to see Greg. Good to see Gregory out there. That's the dog, man. That's the dog. One of, one of, my, one of my favorite players in all of baseball – Probably my favorite Tiger. I, I think he has a, a ceiling. As Michael Jordan would say, his ceiling is through the roof. So uh, I'm really pumped about his season this year. This will be his his second full season out of the bullpen, and I'm super excited about what he can do with it, especially given the closer role, which, again, as we talked about last week, Hinch said the closer role is not just ninth inning. He's just going to be put in the most high-leverage situation within every game. So it was cool to see him. Uh, fastball. It's not really a fastball. I guess it's more of a sinker set around 98 for most of the outing. Great velocity for his first appearance of the spring. I'll gladly take that. The slider was moving a lot. Looked really good. Um, the command on the two strikeouts I thought was really good. And then the command just went out the window, which is obviously the biggest thing that he needs to work on is, is his command with all of his pitches, just everything he needs to work on, on, on command. So it, it was at least nice to see a couple of batters. I mean, he was painting 98 on a couple of them. Uh, he, he looked really solid against a couple of batters. And then the, the judge at bat, he was kind of spraying it all over the place, obviously then hit him in the foot. So uh, nice to see him at least still got some work to do. It'll be something to keep an eye on going forward for the spring. The only other big pitching thing, I mean, Scooble started four Ks in two innings. Pitch count was a little bit higher than you'd like, but honestly, not that bad. Uh, I think he was in the low 30s in pitches through his two innings pitch. Gave up a hit, had a walked batter. Uh, I don't think he gave up any runs. Just uh, uh, the, the biggest thing with his outing was the curveball. It's something that he wasn't in love with last year, and he was really uh, trying to pinpoint my fastball to strike you out guy, and it worked. A lot of the times he had a lot of strikeouts, but it also led to a lot of hard contact given up. Tarek Skubal gave up uh, 
<laughs> look at look up his baseball savant page. You'll you'll see he gave up a ton of hard contact last year. A lot of long balls too. So I I think it was just really nice to see him mix in the curveball a lot. The movement on it was fantastic. The command was decent on it. He missed high a couple of times, which I would much rather you miss low. I would much rather you miss low than miss high. Uh, I you know hanging curveballs scare me. So he did leave a couple that that caught a little too much of the zone, I think. But for the most part, it was pretty solid. Just really good break on it, I think, is the main thing. Really, really solid break on it. And and if that can become an effective secondary pitch to get paired with the fastball changeup, I, I mean, the 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 ceiling is the roof for Scooble too, man. He he could really be a, an an incredible strikeout artist in this league for a long time. So I think that really that. This first performance was was honestly just super encouraging, and, and it was super cool to see him mix in more pitches there and, and throw some pitches that he wasn't maybe too confident in throwing last year. The only other thing with the Yankees game was Alex Fiedo got his first appearance of the spring. Fiedo, a lot of injury problems, had Tommy John, formerly a, a first-round pick that not only was a first-round pick, but uh, was – the ace for one of the best college rotations anybody has ever seen in their lives there at Florida. And the big thing was he was a power arm with a nasty slider. And we saw that in the minors and and he was, he was solid in the minors. He wasn't, you know, blow the doors off. Fantastic. I I don't think he was necessarily a first round pick, like with all the pedigree that we thought we were getting, maybe He, he wasn't, up to that level, but he was still really productive and really solid and, and eerie before Tommy John. And then that happened, obviously. And the big question has just been what kind of role is he going to get when he comes back? Because I think he's just about on the cusp of, you know, you're going to make the majors or or you're donezo. And I, I don't think they're going to give up on him. I think he's probably going to start off the season in AAA and then get called up to be a reliever at some point this season if I had to put my money on it right now. But with a couple of bullpen spots open, it really wouldn't shock me if Fiedo got a big opportunity in the bullpen this year. I talked about this last week. He looks really solid in his first outing. Uh, the fastball was around 93-94, if I remember correctly. Some decent movement on all of his stuff. It was good to see the velocity at that as well, you know, coming off such a big injury in his first really in-game pitching in, in like two years, I want to say. So just really, really good to see him back on the mound and and do pretty decent. I mean, gave up an unearned run. There was an error, a throwing error made. Uh, I think Tor could have scooped that, to be honest with you, but but it's still a throwing error at that. And gave up a hit, a walk. You know, f- again, first, first time out on the bump in a very long time. So uh, just really good to see him out there. Did have a strikeout. The changeup looked pretty solid. Uh, didn't see too terribly much of the slider. Um, which again, before Tommy John was kind of his, one of his, uh, more, more advertised pitches, but, um, good velocity and, and really struggled with command the first couple of batters of the outing. And then by the end of the inning only pitched in the one inning by the end of that inning, it was, uh, it looked a lot better. He was hitting spots a lot more. So if he can make adjustments like that, you know, maybe just the first couple of batters was jitters just being out there for the first time in so long. I'm really interested to see Fiedo's spring. I think it could have a lot of implications on the bullpen and stuff going forward. 
then I think that's it for the for the Yankees game, and we're going to do even less on the Blue Jays game. Uh, there was really no offense to speak of. Not a uh, not a fantastic. What do we have? Two hits and a run. Not not really a fantastic game. Willie Castro did have a hit. Badu had a triple. Uh, I think that's about it. So not too terribly much to report on in uh, in the on the offensive side of things. On the pitching side of things, however, uh, I really, I mean, like Brian Garcia, like really, like sure, I guess he he looked decent, gave up a couple of hits, but I, I thought the stuff was okay. Uh, Joe Jimenez, whose hair looked a, a, a little bit different. Uh, the velocity was kind of inconsistent, but it still topped out at what it was reportedly being topped out at. So uh, good for him, I guess. It'll be another one in that fight with Fayeto for one of the open bullpen spots. I think he's probably slated to be one of the favorites to get it. But the main thing I just want to talk about is Matt Manning. Looked really solid. Great first outing for Manning. The velocity was high. It was higher than it was last season. Uh, consistently at least one hit, no walks, two K's, the curveball looked really good. The biggest thing with him is going to be a, the velocity. We're going to have to keep an eye on that because it was wildly inconsistent last season, but B is the third pitch, whether it's his go-to third pitch is going to be a slider or whether it's going to be a change up who knows. And honestly, who cares? Just make one of them effective. <laughs> That's going to be the biggest thing. We know he has a lively fastball. He he was striking people out on 96 high heat this game, right? We know he has a nasty curveball. We've known that since he was 18 years old. He had a slider or tried a slider a couple of years ago, and eventually the grips with his slider and his curveball mixed together, and it just kind of became all one pitch. And now they're trying to, to either separate those two pitches again or just give him a, a changeup that he's confident in. At the end of the day, really solid first outing, but very interested in seeing what his third pitch is going to be. That should be the thing everyone's looking out for for Manning in spring. We know he's going to get innings limits. We know he's not going to pitch 30 starts this year. Just pay attention to what that third pitch in spring is and what he seems like he's more confident in, most confident in. That That's easily the storyline of the spring for Matt Manning. Okay, let's get into the Byron, not Byron Buxton, the Carlos Correa talk. But first, I got to tell you all about rockauto.com. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto with the ever increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. So, why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders parts on their computer their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers, you have a smartphone, you have access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? It just does not make sense. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are lively low for every customer. They have everything you could need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even a new carpet. So go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution for your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in the how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, everybody. 
We are back for our third and final segment of Locked On Tigers. Going to be talking. We got to bring it up, man. We got to bring it up. We, we just have to rip the Band-Aid off. Carlos Correa is a Minnesota twin on a three-year deal, an opt-out after every single year, and the AAV makes him the highest-paid infielder in the history of Major League Baseball. Um, well, we'll start with the Tigers. The Tigers were reportedly in the running, were always rumored as in the running. We needed a shortstop, and we had A.J. Hinch. Everybody knew that, that we were – you know, speculation was going to surround the Tigers and, and Correa this offseason. Before the lockout, apparently we offered him something just under $300 million and for close to 10 years. That is, you have to realize that AAV, in a lot of players' eyes, is more valuable than years especially once you get past like two or three years on a one-year deal. You, you can argue maybe sure that, that the job security down the road is more valuable than the one year up front. But when you're comparing just multi-year to multi-year, even if it is three versus 10, if you can get seven, $8 million more a year and have an opt out after every season so that if you blow it up and win MVP, you can just opt out, reevaluate your market, and get a longer-term deal. This is a great deal for Carlos Correa is what I'm trying to say. And the Tigers deal was not as good, even though the total amount of money was obviously higher than what he ended up getting in Minnesota, right? Total contract-wise, the Twins deal blows ours out of the water. It is a better deal for Correa. The initial shock... I think was, well, it was huge. I freaked out. I had a breakdown on Twitter. Everybody who, who follows me saw it. I had a complete breakdown on, on Twitter when, when he signed with the Twins. I couldn't believe it. Nobody could believe it. Not just Tigers fans, every fan base. Everybody was dumbfounded. As we all know, he wasn't, the Twins weren't linked to him in anything. There was a short list of teams. The Twins weren't on any of them. The Twins have just had a wild post-lockout with just bringing in people that nobody thought they were going to bring in. I, it's, it sucks to see him go to the Twins, man. It still does. And I've come to terms with the signing and I uh, will get into how I think this affects the Tigers' season and, and where, you know, we might stand in the AL Central at the end. But I, it, it, regardless of all of that, it just sucks to see him go to Minnesota. Sucks to see him go to a division rival. When we could have done that. We, we absolutely, easily, in our sleep, in Chris Illich's sleep, could have given that contract to Correa, man. And they didn't. And, and we got Javi, and I'm excited about, about Javi. Uh, I'm excited about what he brings to the table. It's obviously a significant upgrade over what we've had. The defensive upside is there. Javi, you know, in his Mets stint last season, he was great at the plate too. I'm really glad and pumped about Javi, but we could have done that. We, we, we very easily could have done that. So I almost just ripped my computer off my table there. That was almost really bad. Um, so... Where does this, man, we like, we got to play him 19 times a year now. 
I almost just changed subjects and then I was still hung up on it. It's just going to be, it's just going to suck a little bit just to see him on a division rivals team that wasn't even expected to be in it. We were linked to him the entire time. We fell short. He went to a division rival. And that, that just blows, right? Taking a look at the season as a whole, however, the Twins still have massive holes in pitching. Massive. Sonny Gray and Dylan Bundy. And that's it. And Dylan Bundy's even coming off an injury-filled, kind of struggled last season. Sonny Gray is has is a good pitcher. And I'm not going to say he's not a good pitcher, but he's had some roller coasters, mostly just in New York. Really, if you just take out his Yankees tenure, he's been pretty solid his whole career. So you, you got you got like two pitchers that I'm somewhat confident in. And then that's it. Now the offense is is good. No one's going to deny that that lineup is is very good. Kirloff, uh, Buxton, now Correa, Sano still there, obviously. I mean that's a that's a a solid solid lineup. But at the end of the day, the Tigers' win total last season was in the high seventies, and we got way better. We brought back the same coaching staff. We brought back everybody on the team that that was a positive contributor to that, uh, a consistent positive contributor, I'll say, to that high 70s win total last season. And then we brought in two all-star caliber players on both both sides of the ball, as well as we're going to call up two of the five best prospects in all of baseball. So while it sucks, and it does suck, that we're going to have to play him 19 times and he went to a division rival and it had to be the Twins and and all that. He's gotten opt out after every season. The The pins, the Twins don't have pitching. And we're a team whose win total was in the high 70s that got a hell of a lot better. I still like our odds. I, I, I still like our odds. I really like this team, and I'm really pumped about this season. And this signing does not change any of my excitement. It doesn't even, honestly, I don't even think it changes my rankings of my AL Central rankings that I did last week. What did I have? I had White Sox, Tigers, Guardians, Twins, Royals. I mean, maybe you switch Guardians and Twins. Besides that, I'm still riding with the boys, still riding with the dogs. So that's all. I, I just thought, you know, it's impossible to not bring it up. And and I, I still am just – this signing does not change – it shouldn't change anybody's opinion of the Tigers this upcoming season, where we stand in the Central. Is it going to be a little harder to get that wild card spot and get that second place in the AL Central? Yes, Absolutely. The Twins got got better, but they also lost 90 last year and had the same record as the Royals. So, like, they got better, but still a lot of holes on that team. And I still like our odds. That's all. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every day. Tomorrow's episode, going to go over some more spring games, etc. 
But today, make your second list in Locked on MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues past and present. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. That'll do it. Another episode in the books. Be sure to check us out on the YouTube. Free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Go be sure to lob a subscribe there. A um, lot of cool stuff that I'm able to do visually in the season that I obviously can't do audio only. You know, share screen, show stuff. You get to see, I mean, you just get to see my face. Can't, can't ask for too much better than that, in my opinion. Thanks for rocking with me. Cannot wait for the regular season to start. Really pumped for the rest of spring. Some cuts probably going to be happening over the next uh, week. Probably trickle down, just a, a not cut. Geez, that's aggressive. Just sending people down to minor league camp and officially eliminating their odds to make the opening day roster. Probably going to have one or two of those a day for the remainder of spring, so keep an eye out for those. We'll talk about them as they happen. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope, and I'll catch you all tomorrow, baby. Go Tigers. You are locked on Tigers. Your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.